Hey, hey, good to see you guys today. Good morning. I, I, I forget what time it is. I was going to say good evening, but it isn't evening yet. It's, it's still morning slash almost lunchtime, right? How many of you measure time in your days by meals? Anybody else? Basically, it'll be six in the morning. I wake up. I'm like, get my coffee. I'll be like, hey, babe, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Because I got to measure my calories and my meals. We measure life in, in meal times. Anybody else? Is that just Italians or is that what we do? Everybody does. So good to be with you guys today. Man, what a great time in worship. Uh, I just am so excited to be with everybody in the room today. Excited to be with everyone joining us, Joy Church Online, watching on live stream, uh, just encountering the presence of Jesus, even where you are in your living room, uh, at the coffee shop, wherever you may be joining us today, or even watching on replay. We don't have a, uh, uh, there's not a restriction on God's presence to only occupy church buildings. Did you know that? Like God can move everywhere, right? Uh, there's something amazing and, and, and real and tangible and incredible about being together in this new place in our building, but God is moving all over the city, and those of you online, we're so excited that you're joining us together, one church, one body in Christ, one, one community, worshiping Jesus together. It's awesome. Well, guys, we're going to jump in. We're, we're in a series that we launched last week called We Are Joy. Anybody see the movie We Are Marshall? You ever see that one? We Are Marshall, you know, and, they, and Marshall football, I don't know if you know that, but they, they yell that at their games. Um, but real football teams are over here on the West Coast, like the Oregon Ducks in Jesus' name. But anyways, uh, we stole that from, from Marshall, and uh, we are Joy Church, and I'm excited about that. And last week, we kicked this off, and over the next few weeks, we're talking about who we are as a church, why we exist, and what God has called us to do in this city. How many of you are excited that we have a building now to meet in? That's exciting, right? Yes. We're so excited about that. But the reality is that we don't just have vision for a building. We have vision from this building. This building is just a tool to see the full vision and mission of Jesus accomplished in our city. People would come up to me and say, Pastor Jake, when are we going to get a building, Pastor Jake? Because, you know, that's like what churches do, right? You start, you're poor, and then you build a building. We did it. We didn't. We just stayed poor and built the building anyways. Come on. No, I'm just teasing. No, we're doing great. But, uh, but, uh, but we didn't just build a building to build a building. We built a building because we believe this helps us accomplish the mission and vision of Jesus in our city to make disciples, right? And so people would say, when are we going to build a building? And go, hey, when, it, when we believe that the Lord uh, could do a better job through, through having a building, when we could accomplish our mission in a greater way. But we don't just have vision for a building. We didn't want to just put our seats in and get comfy and then die. That's not what we wanted to do. There's vision from this place. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do. And we have a, a vision as a church. If you go to our, our mission statement, Joy Church, it's very simple. It's biblical. It comes right out of the scriptures that we as a church, we exist to love God, love people, and make disciples, right? What we're doing today right here in, the, in this time of worship is we're loving God. We are coming together in, and enjoying the presence of God and worshiping God. And how many of you believe we have a God who's worth singing about, worth worshiping? I want to challenge us as a church that we embody this vision to, to love God, that we come together in worship, or whether you're at home by yourself worshiping or watching on live stream, or you're here in the building worshiping God, that we don't bring our C plus or B game, we bring our A game, we're fully engaged. We're passionate. Come on. We sing with passion. If we're going to sing, sing with all your heart. If you're going to worship God, worship God with all your heart. We're not here just to be kind of like lukewarm. Hello. Good morning. Everybody have coffee this morning. You with me? We're, let's try that again. Are you with me today? 
All right. You're like, Jake, you already warmed up. You already had a whole church service. Okay, I'll, I'll calm down a little bit. Okay, and then we'll build it up together. How about that? We'll take this journey together. When we come together to worship God, to love God, we need to do it with passion, with abandon, really loving God. When we love people, we do it well. We believe in opening up our homes and inviting people to come and sit around the table and experience real community and experience the kingdom of God lived out in fellowship, right? That's why we're all about joy groups, opening our homes and going to coffee shops and meeting up to bring people into family. We serve a God that sets the lonely, the solitary into families. So we're all about loving people and we're all about making disciples. At Joy Church, we have a great big GSV. What does GSV stand for? Anybody? God-sized vision. God-sized vision. That's right. If you didn't know that before, just go, and then you, now you know. And now next week you can say it, right? How many of you do that with the lyrics, right? Like all the old songs. All the 90s songs had a bunch of weird lyrics, like Tub Thumping. You ever hear that one? Na, 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 na. Chumbawamba, that band. You remember that? Anybody with me? No? Okay. It's obscure. Too obscure. There's all the Michael Jackson songs you're trying to sing along, and a lot of it's like, you know what I mean? Anyways, that's what you do with, with GSV. We have a God-sized vision, but vision alone does not win the game. Do you know that? Having a great plan, having a great vision, saying this is what God's going to do. We have a great God-sized vision, bigger than anything we can accomplish on our, in our own strength, bigger than anything we can do just in our, in our own power and intelligence and all of that. But having a great vision is not enough because vision is like the coach who gets with his team before the game. You know, every coach around America, whether it's college football, high school, NFL, like today a bunch of NFL coaches are getting them together going, men, listen, we're going to go out there and put a hurt on the other guys. We're going to go out there and play with violence and physicality and we're going to put more points on the scoreboard than them. Huh, men, right? That's what's happening. We got a great game plan. We're going we're gonna to run the ball. We're going we're gonna to throw the ball. We're going to do both of those things sometimes. We're going to tackle people, right? How many of you guys, you with me? I, I think I'm just, I don't like this service as much. These people aren't laughing as much. I feel like my jokes just are better at first service. So yeah, let's upgrade. Okay, I'm just teasing you. Every coach, right? They're going, hey, this is our vision. But how many of you know you have to get out on the field and play the game? There's a difference between just having a game plan, but, but, but having a vision, seeing it, envisioning. Okay, everybody envision us crossing the, the touchdown line. Let's, we have to see it. We're going to get our mental game strong. We're going to be doing all these things. But until you actually get out on the field, it doesn't really matter. What matters is what happens on the field. And so we have these two things, and it's exactly the same in church. You have vision, okay? Vision is where we want to go. Vision is what we see. But then you have this thing called culture, and culture is what we are. Culture is the, the way things actually are. It's actually living it out and playing it out on the field. And so like in a football game, you can have the great game plan, you can do a pep talk, you can, everybody can go woo woo and rally themselves in the locker room, but until you actually get out there and put it into action and actually execute the game plan and, and see what happens and, and actually do it on the field, it doesn't really matter. Are you with me? And so culture really matters. Dr. Sam Chan said, culture is the way we do things around here. Through this whole series, we're talking about our culture, our unique and distinctive culture as Joy Church. When we say we are joy, that it's not just a vision of what we want to be, but it actually represents who we are. Culture is the way we do things around here. Here's how I like to describe culture. 
and, and the difference between vision and culture. Vision is on the wall, but culture is in the hall. In other words, vision is what we see, it's where we want to go, but culture is what we are. Culture is what we actually experience. And we're talking about the culture of Joy Church, who we are as a church and how we actually want it to feel and what it actually is in reality, not just vision, because we put vision on the wall. We have great God-sized vision. You're made on purpose and for a purpose. Hey, we want to love God. We want to love people. We want to make disciples. We want people to take the next step with Jesus. Those are great visions, right? But if in the actual living it outside of things, we aren't actually taking our next step with Jesus or we aren't actually loving God with passion and we aren't actually loving people with passion and we aren't actually serious about making disciples, then our culture is in disagreement with our vision. How many of you have ever been to a restaurant that's like, we got the best X, Y, Z, such and such in town, and then you try the food and you're like, nah. <laughs> Good vision, poor execution, right? Good vision, poor culture. Churches are a lot, the same, are a, lot, a lot like that. I've been in a lot of churches where they're like, we're all about family at Central Central Valley, Our Lady of the Fields Assembly of God Church, right? <laughs> Did I miss anything? Uh, Holy Fire, you know, Our Lady of the Fields, whatever. And, and we're all about family and we're all about loving people. And then you walk in and nobody will talk to you. Hmm, what's going on? We have a disconnect between vision and culture. Vision is on the wall, but culture is in the hall. And as a church... We want people to actually feel the heart, the spirit, the vision of joy lived out in the atmosphere. You with me? Lived out in the culture, not something that we just see posted on a wall, but actually in the hall. That's what culture is about. And so we're talking about our church and who we are and our unique culture, what we're all about. And today I want to talk about one of our, our values, one of our, our significant distinctive pieces of culture, which is this idea of being all in. Somebody say that with me. All in. All in for Jesus. All in for each other. And all in for the mission. There's a big difference between being half in or kind of in. I'm kind of on board and being all in. How many of you would have really not appreciated it if you were standing there at the altar and your significant other was kind of like, meh? <laughs> you sort of want all in, right? This full commitment. And that is what we want to be as a church. If you want to say, Pastor Jake and Bethany, what is your heart? How would we describe how you live, how you live out the Christian life, what, what you want to see the church be? You can sum it up with these two words, all in. Come on, somebody. I'm going to keep preaching at you guys until you wake up today. Let's go. All in. Like, that sums it up. We're not just faking it. We're not just showing up to just have, like, cutesy church and religion and, like, let's sing some songs on Sunday and then go live exactly the same as everybody else in the world. No, we're all in. And we want to raise up a church and see a church that's of people that are all in, of disciples of Jesus that are all in about loving God. That's why on Sunday morning when we get ready for church and we're here in this atmosphere, we're not bringing lukewarm worship before God. Just like King David said, I will not offer him something that costs me nothing. There's a sacrifice of praise. Come on, this morning as we were worshiping and the team was doing, you know, they're, they're heating it up and praising and worshiping God. Man, you can feel in this place, people are lighting on fire going, man, I'm bringing that sacrifice of praise. I am, I'm offering to God my song, my heart, my affection, my attention. I'm in this place. I am present. I'm not just like thinking about everything else. I'm here to honor God, to worship God. I'm all in. 
as a church, we want to be those people that are saying, hey, we're, we're bringing our city into our homes. We're inviting people. We're connecting. We're on the lookout to love people that are alone, that are hurting, that are isolated, that are addicted, that are not cleaned up, that aren't, they don't look like, you know, the, the perfect Christian. We're, we're, we're out there to reach people because we're all in for the mission of Jesus. Come on, somebody. We're all in. This is not something we just do on Sunday. We do this every day. We're all in as a church. And so as we talk about this today and we're laying the foundations and looking at our culture as a church, not just vision. You see, I can get up here and preach and be like, woo, we're made on purpose and for a purpose and God's made you for destiny and his handiwork. And you can go, yeah, right? And that's all we're doing is in the locker room going, hey, we're gonna go play football today. But it has to go get played out on the field. You, the, the, the point is that it has to get into our culture as a church where we live out these visions. We live out what God has called us to do. So one of the best ways that I know of to put this kind of thing I'm talking about is, is, is making this transition, making the shift from a fan to a real follower. There's a big difference between being a fan and being a follower. And I think many people's idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus looks a lot more like being a fan Someone who's just a casual observer, supporter, kind of gets excited and cheers Jesus on and cheers the team on the field on, but sort of sits up in the stands. How many of you know, like, I love the Ducks. I'm a big Ducks fan. Did you know that about me? I don't know if I've ever said that. Huskies. No, I'm not. I'm not for the Huskies. No, no, I'm for the Ducks. Yeah, in case you were uh, confused. Um, But I'm not, like, on the field. You know why? because I don't want to die. I'm, I'm not probably athletic enough to be the water boy. Therefore, I don't want to go out there. But there's a big difference between being a fan in the stands and being an active participant on the field, right? There's a big difference. And I think a lot of people look at their faith and they're more like a fan of Jesus, more like a fan of the church, more like a fan of the Christian life rather than a real follower of Jesus, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I can barely talk at a normal speed, you guys, because this is going to change somebody's life today. Literally this morning, I believe somebody's going to hear this and go, man, I get it now. Like I see that I've been living as a fan and I'm called to be a follower. I'm not called to sit in the stands. I'm called to get in the game and participate in everything that Jesus has for me. Let's look at the difference between fans and followers. We're going to put it up on the screen for you here. A fan, as we've said, is somebody who's in the stands. They're observing, they're watching. Today, I'm up here, but I'm not performing. I'm not, I'm not the, man, Jake's doing all the ministry and we're all just being fed. We're all just, no. This is a pep talk. This is a rally. This is coach and the team in the locker room. The real game gets played tomorrow. The real game gets played when we walk outside of these doors. Are you with me? So we're not just fans in the stands, casual observers, you know, inactive, just watching what happens. For fan, uh, the event is an escape from real life. So like when I watch football on TV or when I watch, you know, a show, I'm trying to get away from real life. I'm sort of in fantasy land, like this is fun. I'm taking a break, I'm relaxing, but I'm not actively engaged. But when we talk about being a follower, it's not an escape from real life. It is the real thing. Like I was talking about this in first service, but when we come to church on Sundays, I always put like uh, our, our like hype songs on 
on the, on the uh, uh, MP3 player, the radio, whatever. I, I get our, our hype Christian music songs because we're coming to church and like that is real life for us. It's not fake. So I get our planet shakers, do it again, do it again, Jesus. And the kids in the back, whoa, yeah. Mm, like we're fired up, you know what I mean? Because we're coming to church. This is real life. We're not coming to church to escape from reality. A lot of Christians are like, yeah, oh, the world, oh, it's just beating me down so much. It's so hard out there in the big, bad, cold world, and the big, bad wolf is running around. <laughs> I'm just under attack, so I go to church on Sundays to get fed, feed me, you know, parasitically, come to church on Sunday, get some life, you know, suck some life out of the person next to me who's a real Christian and actually loves God. <laughs> hey man if the shoe fits wear it if it's not for you just let it be right but I just come to church and I get fed and then I go back out into the cold hard bitter awful terrible world and I survive from Sunday to Sunday and church for you is an escape from reality if, if, you, if you only have spiritual life because of church on Sunday you're missing something here guys and don't worry we're going to end on a happy note don't worry but I'm just we're just laying some track here, right? The train's coming along. We're laying some track. For a lot of Christians, the church is an escape from the real world, an escape from real life. But a follower, it's different. A fan, yeah, you show up and it's like, church, woo, woo, woo. We just watched and we go home. But for followers of Jesus, no, this is getting a pep talk. This is getting refueled so we can go out and play the game and crush the devil under our heels. Come on and actually win people to Jesus and pray for the sick and see him recover. Cast out demons. There's some demons that need to get cast out in culture right now. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You go, man, he's like charismatic today. Yeah, some days I am. Some days I am. <laughs> there, there, there literally are some spiritual strongholds, and we need some real Christians who are activated in the Holy Spirit to go out and say, look, I'm not here just to show up and sort of go along with culture. I'm here to be a change agent in the midst of the darkness. Come on. Church is not just an escape from real life. This is my life. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm all about. For a fan, it's minor involvement, right? You show up on, uh, at the game. You show up and cheer the team on. You pay your ticket price. You, you get your seat, and then you leave, and it's somebody else's responsibility. But for followers, it's different. Let's switch over to followers and look at, for followers, what it's like. For followers, you're not in the stands. You're in the game. You're not watching. You're participating, as a Christian, you're not just observing other people do ministry. You realize, man, nobody else is going to do it. I have to do it. I've got to rise up. I've got to be the one that grabs hold of, of Jesus and says, Lord, lead me. I want to follow you into the world. I'm in the game. For a follower, it's not an escape from real life. It is real life. Being in church, being a Christian. I'm not like, I tell people this sometimes. I'll, I'll be out in the city and I'll be talking to people and and I don't know if you know this, but pastors, you do not tell people you're a pastor because that's the fastest way to get people to turn into the fakest, weirdest people you ever met. One time, David Finley and I were at the Holt Center and we were going to see The Price is Right a couple years ago. And David had this lady that he knew and she comes up and she was like, effity, 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 eff. I mean, she said the F word so many times in one sentence, I was actually like, that's actually pretty good. I mean, I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> she was half drunk. I mean, you know what I mean? She was... She was a sight. <laughs> and uh, David, I'm like, you idiot. He's not here at this service, so he can watch it on replay. But he's like, hey, this is my pastor, Jake. Man, I'll tell you, that lady got salvation in a hurry. <laughs> she was like, oh, 
I love the Lord so much. <laughs> I was like, you're good, you're good, you know. Don't tell people you're a pastor because it just, everything goes downhill from there. People try to fake, whatever. So I don't tell people I'm a pastor. They have to like pry it out of me. What do you do? I'm like, I'm a leader. I, I lead an organization. Uh, I'm a public speaker, uh, counselor, uh, therapist, but I don't get paid for it. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, I'm a me- I meditate a lot. You know, <laughs> anything I can say to not, not say that. I don't know why I'm talking about this right now. I'll get back on track. Oh, yeah. Uh, because what happens is when people, I'll start talking to people and I'll be like, hey, um, you know, start talking about the Lord or or talking about Jesus or or something. Usually it's not even religious in nature. It'll just be what's going on in your life. What are you walking through right now? Maybe ask somebody if I can pray for them, right? You're just, just living. And people, most people will say something like this. Well, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Have you heard this? Like I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Um, I, I believe maybe in a God or there's a God, but I don't really like organize religion or church, whatever. Be like, yeah, I'm exactly the same. Like, honestly, for me, like I, being a Christian, it's really about my relationship with Jesus and then living that out uh, is what, what we do at church. But, but yeah, I could totally see where you're coming from. And what I try to, try to communicate with people, and I'll tell people this, I'll be like, you know, a lot of people have seen Christians where it's, it's not, they're not really real. It's like they just kind of have these beliefs or they were raised that way. But I'm like, I'm like a real Christian. Like I really do believe that Jesus actually lived and existed and he, he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Like I actually believe that. So I live my life that way. And I've talked to people this way before and it's, it's a different thing. But what, what, what happens is I'm trying to say like this for me is not just kind of like something I put on. It's who I am. I am a Christian. I actually depend and believe in Jesus. It's real. It's real life. Followers of Jesus is not something you come station to station, Sunday to Sunday, then you go back to normal in the week. No, you are a Christian. That's who you are. You've taken on this identity of being a follower of Jesus. It's real life. You're in the game. It's real life. And then for a fan, it's minor involvement, but for a follower, it's major investment. Man, it's so beautiful. So many of us gave lots of money to see this church be built, this building. Many of us give time every week to serve. Many of us give, you know, we go not just even in the church and giving to the church, but we give to the poor. We, we do things in, this, in the community. We serve. We, we love our neighbors. Why? Because there's a real investment, a major investment. When you're a follower, you're not looking for the easiest, you know, the, the, the minimum you can do. You're saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. So I'm giving to the kingdom of God. I want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so followers of Jesus are not just looking for the easy path, the low road, you know, the, the bare minimum. They're looking to be invested in the things of God. You know, I grew up and my, my parents were like every week, even on vacation, we go to church. We're invested. Come on, we're followers. This is real life. Uh, I remember my parents, you know, watching them give sacrificially. They taught my, myself and my siblings, you know, we, we tithe, we give. This is who we are. Uh, I was teasing in first service about being a, a pastor's kid and living my life like under the pews, you know what I mean? And just always at church. And, you know, that, really, that was really abusive, wasn't it? It really hurt me. No, it showed me that being in God's house, this is what it's about. That, that it's real life. Are you with me? Yeah. There's major investment because we're followers. You know, there's many things in life that I appreciate from a distance. How many of you like hunting and fishing in the outdoors? Anybody? All right, a few of you. 
In first service, I asked that, and, and a, a lady was the first one to put her hand up. So I said, all the men, you revoke your man cards. Just turn them in at the door. Well, hunting and fishing and all that, that's not my thing. I like to watch the Discovery Channel. And I'll watch it on TV. I'll even tell Bethany, like, yeah, I was, I was watching that show. I think it's called Alone. Is that it? Where they try to survive? That's cool. Do you want to do it, Jake? Not at all. <laughs> to me, like, we went through this period of time. It was called the 1800s where people had to survive and kill their own meat and all that. And now we have grocery stores and Netflix and, you know, internet and air conditioning. And so I just, as a civilized man in the 21st century, that's where I'm at. I'm a fan of the outdoors. I'm a, I'm a passive observer. I'll watch it on Discovery Channel, but I'm not an active participant, right? I don't want to be. I had a friend the other day. He says, hey, you want to go on a 10-day hunting trip with me? I'm like, do you even know me? I would rather have freshly cut construction paper run across my eyeballs than go for 10 days into the, uh, did you guys get the mental image on that one? I couldn't tell. <laughs> then go out into the woods for 10 days. Oh my gosh, no, I do not want to do that. I'm a passive observer, right? I, I'm a, I might be a fan, maybe a light fan. Uh, I'm, you know, hey, yeah, that's great. You want to fish, you want to hunt, you want to do that. But that's not, I'm not in, I'm not in the game. I'm not a participant. You guys don't be like me when it comes to being a follower of Jesus and maybe a lot of other things in life. Don't be like me where you, oh yeah, that's your thing. And man, that's great. You're excited. Oh, Pastor Jake, you're so passionate. This worship, you love to worship. He just loves it. He's, that's what he does. Don't be like me. Don't be a fan. Don't be a passive observer. Be a participant. Go all in. Jump in for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. A real disciple of Jesus is all in. All in, not halfway, not dipping your toes in, in. No, all in, because that's where the fun is. That's where the joy is. Listen, this is what Jesus said about it. He told some parables in Matthew chapter 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. He says, Another one, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Let me tell you what Jesus is saying in, in two different stories here. He's saying, when you find the thing of great worth, go all in. Go all in for it, right? Well, I need to see the Greek. I don't know about your hermeneutics. No, you could just read it in English and it works just fine. Jesus is saying, when you discover the worth, this is what God's kingdom is like. When you find the treasure, sell everything and go all in. This is what it means to be a Christian. When you discover the worth and the value of Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you, when you encounter his grace and his mercy, when you begin to get his peace that passes all understanding, you begin to be part of the family of God, sell everything else and go all in for Jesus. That is what it means to be a follower. We're not just fans. We're followers of Jesus. We aren't just passive observers. We're participants in the game. I want to ask you this question. Have you discovered the worth of Jesus? Have you had your eyes opened? Because there's a difference when you've fallen in love with Jesus. You guys, I remember when I was about 12 or 13 years old, uh, maybe a little bit older, about 14 or 15 actually, I would lay on my floor in my, uh, my room at home and I had robbed my dad. He had these old like 70s big giant wood speakers and it had an amplifier, right? Anybody remember this? Speakers that actually move air, right? Not headphones, speakers. Come on. 
and uh, loudspeakers, and I would lay on the floor, and I would listen to Martin Smith and Delirious. This is back in the 90s, you know, and uh, early 2000s kind of time, and, and listen to songs like Shaken Up by Delirious and Find Me in the River. Man, I was just sitting in the presence of God, soaking in the presence of God. I would lay on my back or on my stomach, and I would cry, and I would pray, and I would say, God, I want to love you more. God, I want to worship you. These moments of, of worship, because I had discovered the worth of Jesus. When I was about 14 or 15, I remember coming home one night, I laid down, uh, my, my dad was on a missions trip and I laid down in my mom's bed and I started to cry because the Lord was working in me. I won't tell the whole story, I've told it before. But there was this encounter, a powerful encounter with the presence of God that transformed me from the inside out and I was never the same. I'm not a Christian because my dad's a pastor. I'm a Christian because I met Jesus Christ and he saved my soul, come on. Amen. Oh, you're just a Christian because you grew up as, as a Christian. You can't grow up as a Christian. You can grow up in church, but you have to become a Christian. God doesn't have any grandkids. He just has kids. And so for me, 14, 15 years old, I gave my life to Jesus and I saw him and I saw his worth and I said, sell it all. I'm all in for Jesus. This is what it means. This is what Jesus is talking about. When I was uh, 22, actually 21, my eyes were open to Bethany. I saw the worth. And I sold the field. You know what I mean? It's like, get, I got to get a diamond, right? I got to get this girl a diamond. I didn't, want to be a, I didn't want to be a spectator. I wanted to be a participant. Are you with me? Some of you young guys need to, 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 to hear this message right now. If you want to get in the game, you got to go all in. Come on. Get a job. Okay. So, <laughs> are you saying that she's like level seven magic user is not enough? It's not enough. You got to go all in. My eyes were opened, and I sold the field. I, I went all in. When you see the worth of Jesus, when you have an encounter with the living God, you, you're never the same. Listen to what John the disciple said. I'm going to read in the message paraphrase in 1 John. He said, from the very first day, we were there taking it all in. We heard with our own ears. We saw with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this, the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. He says our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. When you find the treasure, you, you can't stop. You have to go all in, and then you expand the joy by getting other people to see the treasure too. You ever found just like the most amazing hole-in-the-wall place, restaurant, right? And you, you start telling people like, oh man, the barbecue here, it's so good, or this food here, the, it's so delicious, and you can't hide it. And when somebody else comes and they eat there, and they come back, and they're like, man, it's so good, you're like, I know. And then you both want to go eat there. You know what I'm talking about? I do this with Placido's Pasta Shop. Anybody been to Placido's in Eugene? I've been telling you guys for a few years, I have ulterior motives. I want it to stay open. So I want you to go and give them money to keep them open, right? And I think they're doing just fine. But man, it's so good. And so we, we went to Placido's once and we got the pasta and the handmade and so good. It's al dente. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Let's, yeah. Yeah, let's go. So you start talking about it and people get, oh yeah, and then they go 
And, and then they come back and they're like, yeah, we tried it and it's so good. And then boom, double the joy. This is how it works with the kingdom of God. As hearts are set on fire by the love of God, as people are transformed by the gospel, as they go all in for Jesus, you start to communicate to other people, I want you to experience this. I want you to see what he's done for me. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to see it. And other people start to discover the worth and the value of Jesus. And this is how joy expands. This is how joy church expands. This is how it works, you guys. Going all in. Now, what's the cost of this? Because obviously there's a price to pay. When we talk about going all in, this, this commitment level that, that we're talking about, and the reality is, yes, it does cost. Jesus wants everything, everything. People are like, church just wants my money. No, way more. Your entire life. <laughs> money is like the least of your concerns. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. Like, <laughs> Bethany and I, we've sort of said, God, we, we just kind of like unlimited, like blank check. What do you want to do with our lives? He says, give it, we're going to give it. A couple, maybe last year, whatever, we were sitting in, in a place and the Lord just spoke to both of us at the same exact time, told us to write an absurd amount of money. Stupid. But we both knew because the, the Lord spoke to us because we've just said, Lord, like money is the least. Like we're all in. God doesn't just want your money. God wants you, everything about you, money included. He wants your time, wants your attention, wants your affection. He wants your politics. He wants your social media accounts. Some of you, that's the last straw, right? Not that. <laughs> God wants everything. This is, but here's the beautiful thing. When you give God everything, you don't lose anything because he gives you all of himself. C.S. Lewis said, the man who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God alone. When you get the treasure, when you find Jesus, when you connect with who God's made you to be and you become a child of God, you are now part of the family of the, of the king who created the universe, who takes care of every need that you have, who waters and refreshes your soul. The Bible is full of verses like this. He who waters others will be watered himself. Because there's no possibility, there is no reality where you outgive God and he leaves you high and dry. There is no scenario where you give something, whether it's financial or time, or you sacrifice part of your freedom or whatever to go serve or whatever it is, where God doesn't more richly reward you. How stingy of a king would that be whoever allowed his subjects to out, do something greater than what the king does? It never happens. Never in my life have I ever outgiven God in finances, in time, in anything sacrificing something of myself, whatever it was, God always does more for me. Jesus wants all of us so that he can give you all of him. What a great transaction. What a great trade to think about this. Isn't it funny how we overvalue our lives, right? We're like, my life's amazing. No, you're a mess, right? <laughs> like, get real with yourself. Take a moment of honesty and think about you and, and how messed up the inside part, not the part you show to the world. No, the real you, the one with the, the voice in your head at night when you lay your head on your pillow. Jesus is saying, give me your life. Hand me that, that wounded, broken, 
thing and I will restore it to the original intention. I will give you myself. I will pour my love, my grace into you. I will, I will give you purpose. I will give you a place in the family. And yet we cling to our life. That's why Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. It's the paradox of following Jesus that whatever he asks of you, you will never outgive him. You will never, you'll never lose yourself. All you will do is gain him, right? You'll, you'll, he gives himself and you win very big. Now listen to this. In, cha- in uh, Romans chapter 5, Apostle Paul said this. He said, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I am so just grateful for what Jesus has done in my life. That every day I wake up and I go, I deserve to be separated from God. I deserve to be lost. I deserve to be away from him. And yet through Jesus, God has brought me into his family. And I have a place of undeserved privilege. I have experienced grace. I have experienced mercy. It's so powerful. And I get to share in God's glory because of what Jesus has done. When I talk, you guys, about us being a church that's all in, it's not because, oh man, I want something from you. No, I want something for you. I want all of us to experience the fullness and the richness of what it means to go all in with God so we can experience what it's like to have God go all in in our lives. How do we engage with this today? I want to leave you with three quick things and then we'll go beat all the less spiritual churches to the best restaurants. People on live stream could get a head start right now. Maybe we're racing our own church on live stream. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? <laughs> Boo. Am I getting booed again? That's two weeks in a row. <laughs> hey, Nikki Dasso on the front row is booing me live stream. People, please talk to her on social media. Help her understand. That's so evil. I can't believe the persecution I've suffered in church this morning. <laughs> All right. Three things. Okay. Number one. Believe. We need to respond to the gospel in faith. Really and truly believe. Repent. Turn around. Uh, repent means to turn around. You're going one way, you, you start going another direction. And be baptized. Die to our old self and be raised in new life. As a church, when we go all in, it starts with this right belief. Really believing in Jesus. Really believing the gospel. You say, oh, I'm already a Christian. I already believe in Jesus. But live like the gospel is true. Believe that Jesus has saved you. Go all in in this area of belief. Number two, trust. Go all in with Jesus. I really believe that many Christians don't really trust Jesus. Why? Because they hold back part of their life, worried that if I give this, that I'm not going to get, I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to be too overextended. I have to conserve myself, conserve my energy, conserve my resources. But trusting in Jesus is where it's at, right? Saying, you know what, God? I believe in you, I'm all in, and I'm trusting you with my life. You say step, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step. You say jump, I say how high. Trusting in Jesus, and then three, respond. Get in the game. For us as a church, we have some steps that we, we talk about. You know, we're gonna be launching Next Track very soon, taking that next step with Jesus. If you haven't gone through Next Track, I wanna encourage you, get in the game, take that next step. In the next couple of weeks, we're launching joy groups again. Woo, woo. And uh, I want to encourage you to go to group, get involved, open up your house. Oh, but Pastor Jake, I can't teach. I'm not, I don't have that gift. If you have the gift of making popcorn and pouring coffee into a cup, you can make disciples. 
Let me say that again. If you have the gift of making popcorn, even microwave popcorn counts, pouring a cup of coffee and just loving people, you can help people get connected to the family of God. But, but the hands and feet of Jesus need to be made manifest out in the community by us opening our homes and going to coffee shops and, and actually saying, we're here to help people find a home, find community, invite neighbors to church, pray for people. And then for your own spirituality, your own relationship with God, go all in, read your Bible every day, pray, engage with the presence of God, get, get worship music, ask Pastor Judah what the top 25 best, most anointed, Holy Spirit saturated, Holy Ghost fire songs are right now. And we'll tell you, and we'll say, hey, engage with the presence of God, but just respond as a follower of Jesus. You're not a fan, you are a follower. Now, as we get ready to close today, I wanna, I wanna end with this thought. Today, I'm talking about our commitment. I'm talking about us going all in, but lest you think, oh, this is just works and I need to work harder and you leave here feeling condemned, like, oh, I'm not a real follower of Jesus. That is not what I wanna communicate with you today. That's not what, I want, what I'm trying to say. The reality is that our commitment to Christ rests upon his commitment to us. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. And so this is all based, everything I've said only works and only happens in a perspective, a posture of grace. It's his grace, his mercy that enables us to be his followers. Nothing we do for God can be good, can ever even ever work unless we receive what God has done for us first. And that's why whether you're a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus today, or you're not, it always starts with the gospel. There is no 201, 301, 401, upper class of the gospel. It all starts at the foot of the cross, one level. I depend on Jesus. I depend on his grace daily. I come to the cross and I receive from him that grace, that mercy. I receive from him that life to, to begin to live my life for him. And that's where it all starts and where it ends. It's the grace of Jesus that empowers us to be his followers. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes today. If you're here today and you're like, Pastor Jake, I want to engage in this, but I'm not a follower of Jesus. I, I know that I haven't surrendered my life, not put my faith and trust in Jesus. Well, this moment right now is an opportunity to make that step, to make that commitment and decision to follow Jesus and receive what he did for you and what he's done for me at the cross, to have a real encounter with his life and his grace and his mercy. The reality is that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins, the things that separated us from God. And he paid that entire price. And all you have to do is receive what he did for you and put your faith and trust in him. So if that's you today, would you simply just pray this prayer along with me? Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you know that I've not lived up to your standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I put my faith and trust in you and in you alone. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.